guess who's back? Shiro's back with another episode of Malkia Sunrise. Um, welcome to the third episode in the series on the road to Beijing. I'm really excited to have you and I'm really, really excited about today's episode because we get to tackle two conferences. The third conference on women, which was held in Nairobi, and the big kahuna, the Beijing conference of 1995. So I'll just jump right in um, and get started. So the Nairobi conference, which is a third conference, was the end of the decade of the women, of the, the end of the decade of women, which had started in Mexico in 1975. Um, and in Mexico, the the objective of the decade of the women was to start to integrate and and create and define a society where women would participate um, socially, economically, and politically in their countries. And they came up with um, thematic areas that that would would be discussed for women, which were um, one equal access to education, um, two, increase in employment and elimination of discrimination in employment, legislation on voting, and recognition of the economic value of women. So that's Mexico. And while in Mexico, two organizations were created. One, the International Research and Training Institute for the Advancement of Women, which was now um, contributing to research and training and spreading information about the women equality journey. And then we have the UN Development Fund for Women, which provided financial support and technical assistance for any programs um, that were promoting human rights and gender equality. Then five years later, we have the second conference, which was held in Copenhagen. And now this is a midpoint review of the goals that have been set in Mexico. Um, and at the same time, an extension of the themes that I talked about and inclusion of sub-themes. Now there's addition of health. So initially, uh, we didn't have health. And then there's more conversation around employment and education. Um, and one of the things that is achieved during this time is that is is that we have more data that's being collected and there's a push for gender disaggregated data from most countries. Now, during Copenhagen, the Copenhagen conference, one of the things that was seen was that there was insufficient political will um, and there was a lack of acknowledgement of the value of women's con contribution to society. There was also the shortage of women in decision-making positions and um, insufficient services that were supporting women in this, in this journey. And that's just to name a few. And so that was seen as the reason why there weren't enough uh, women participating and, and this gender equality conversation was not advancing. Um, and at the Copenhagen conference, we also see a uh, the beginning of stressing of the importance of changing um, the stereotypical image of women in media. So asking the communication industry to change how they um, dis they portray women in media and, and ensuring that more women are being participated in communication around in decisions about communication. So that's 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 what we discussed last week and that's just a very brief summary for anyone who's not listened to my previous podcast then now we get to nairobi nairobi is the close the 
closing huh? the closing of the decade um so 10 years have passed we're now in nairobi we're coming to review what exactly has happened um in the in, in the 10 years to get to 1985 uh, and the main purpose for this conference was one to review um the progress that had been made and what obstacles were encountered during the entire decade and the second one was to create a set of forward-looking strategies that would continue that would continue advancing uh, women empowerment and women equality up to the year 2000 so that is what um, that is what the Nairobi conference was mainly about this is the first time the UN is holding a conference in Africa. And what is happening globally? We still have the Cold War going on. There is a global recession that has happened in the 80s. And then Africa debt is rising. So we have the group of 77 who, are, who I had mentioned previously are saying we need this unlimited amount of funding um, to be able to carry out development projects. And once we carry out development projects in our countries, then the issue of women inequality is going to be magically sorted. Then we come into 1985, the debt is, is on the rise. Um, there's, there's a lot of civil unrest, civil unrest in a lot of African countries and a number of African countries have um, dictators for leaders. Um, in Kenya specifically, there's the Wagala massacre that has taken place in 1984. That at this point in time, in 1985, the government is not acknowledging it, uh, acknowledging that it, it has actually happened. Now, when the Kenyan government in the beginning of 1985 realized that there were going to be a lot of feminists coming in um, to Nairobi, they tried to cancel the entire forum. And they wanted to either postpone it or transfer it to another country, but they were unsuccessful. So, a hundred. So, the beauty of this is, one hundred and fifty-seven countries attended um, the Nairobi conference, and we have over one thousand four hundred journalists, and we have an, a large number of NGOs who also attend the Nairobi conference. Um, and at this conference, some of the things that come out um, strongly because it's held in an African country for once the Western women and the European women are able to see the dignity and the beautiful appearance, the colorful appearance and the strength of the African woman. So they're able to see firsthand and interact firsthand with women in Africa and see the diversity and the strength uh, of the African women. And they, and they were really, really impressed because now you're coming to see us in our home, on um, our home ground. Of course, African women are going to 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 represent, and they're going to be there showcasing how um, how beautiful and how deep and how our cultures are just magnificent. And so that is something I thought that was worth mentioning. Um, so so what happens in the Nairobi conference? Well. Let's see. So the Nairobi conference uh, was one which was led by the uh, by the permanent representative for the UN, uh, who was Margaret Kenyatta, a sister to our current president in Kenya, um, and it was 
there were three main strategies that were discussed during the Nairobi conference, um, equality, development, and peace. And there was also the push that had started for media uh, that came into Nairobi as well. So there was also a lot of conversation about eliminating the stereotyping that happens in media and ensuring that women, encouraging more women to be fully incorporated in society. Um, so they were also pushing for media to support domestic campaigns um, and inform the public about the need for equality. Yeah, well, at least. Also, there's now attention that is paid to women and children in the who are still um, in apartheid in in this in South Africa. There's also discussion on the impact of the Palestine war. What impact did it have on women and children? And then also um, that there's a lot of conversation around disarmament which was, I think it's a good thing that now we're seeing a lot more um, participation and a lot, and, and the voice of the African woman, or in their case, the third world woman is now being heard. Um, so that's a bit about what happened in Nairobi. In Nairobi also, we see the word empowerment starting to take shape. Um, and now here the, it's being defined as than a way to foster self-esteem, to foster the autonomy of a woman, and to have uh, women have greater access to power. Now, since we had set um, objectives in Mexico, we reviewed them in Copenhagen. When we got to Nairobi, the decision was made that there's no need to set new objectives. So instead, what they did is create a follow-up um, document, if I can call it that. So in Nairobi, they, they create um, what is called, where is it? Yes, NFLS, the Nairobi Forward-Looking Strategies. So to look forward up to the year 2000 about how, you know, how will the UN continue to monitor the goals that had been set in Mexico and ensure that countries are actually now adapting. How do you encourage more governments to get involved in this conversation around um, around women empowerment, about around equality? How do you do it? Well, one of the advantages of Nairobi and one of the things that Nairobi celebrated about is that for the first time, so in Mex, I had spoken about in how in Mexico and Copenhagen you had this whole um, east versus west. You had a lot of um, there were there was a lot of influence from governments. So there was a lot of conversation around the conferences being the women attending the conferences being puppets, uh, being controlled by the men back home. What we see in Nairobi is now all attending states are agreeing, for the first time are starting to agree on a document. So they agree on the forward-looking strategies and they actually um, adopt the Nairobi forward-looking strategies by consensus without having to resort to a vote. I think that's, that is amazing. Like we're starting to see that integration. So what happens after this? Well, 
After the 1985 conference in Nairobi, there's now a 10-year gap. So now we're not going to have another conference in 1990. We're going to um, continue having other UN conferences. And then we have the large conference in Beijing in, in 1995. All right. So in 1995, huh. yeah. So when we get to 1995, a number of conferences have been held by the UN previously. Um, and we get now to, to China. And just before we go to China, what is happening in China? Now, China is facing a lot of backlash um, globally because of certain uh, human rights violations. And then there's also this conversation around um, abortion in the country that they are forcing their, their women to have uh, abortions or to be sterilized because they need to reduce the rate of population growth. At that point, they are, on, they are already over a billion people in China. So they're, they're, they're facing a lot, a lot of back and forth. Um, they're not, not back and forth. They're facing a lot of scrutiny by the, by the world uh, because of human rights violations. And so what does China do? China also tries, like Kenya, to cancel the meeting. So they don't want the Beijing conference to come because they feel it's going to expose them too much. So because that is, when they're not successful in that, what they do is about two months before the conference, they announced that they've canceled all hotel reservations. And there was an NGO forum that was also happening, was going to happen in parallel with the conference and they refused to grant visas. So this cut down the number of participants. So you can imagine already Beijing was a huge conference and now about 10,000 people aren't able to attend the, the, the conference. I wonder how it would have been like if they all would have managed to attend. That's a story for another day. Anyway, so we, so anyway, finally we, everyone shows up, everyone gets their visa, they get cleared, they show up in Beijing. Now in Beijing, what made it so different? What made it this huge, most talked about conference um, of women that we've have that we've ever had? Well, one thing was the number of participants. So in Nairobi, we had 157 governments. In Beijing, we had 189, which was the most number of governments represented in a UN conference. Then we have NGOs sending 17,000 participants. We have government sending an additional 6,000 delegates. You know, it's, it's a huge conference. We have over 4,000 journalists and media representatives at this conference. So the, the role of the media here is being said because you have over 4,000 journalists who are coming to write articles to... Um, on video and film what is happening and so there's a lot of push for um and not push there's a lot of visibility for the conference in kenya we sent 450 women to represent the country and they were led by our first woman minister Muva Mwendoa. Um, i will mention that she is criticized because she also nominated her hairdresser to join her in Beijing. Yeah, she said she needed to look ministerial. That's besides the point. I digress. Um, now, so 
one of the things I found about one of the reasons I found that um, the Beijing conference was viewed very negatively, especially in Kenya, is that there was during the Beijing conference again because there was a lot of media attention. There's there's a lot that is spoken about this conference. There was the LGBTQ conversation is also ongoing. It's part of what is discussed during the conference. And so when the women come back from um, Beijing, they are accused of agitating and encouraging um, and, and promoting the rights of lesbians in Kenya, which is said to be uncultural. One day we are going to look into that and see what, what is actually the right perception, well, what is the right um view of pre-colonial africa on on lgbtq now let's see what we're going to find but that's a story for that's a conversation for another day so anyway so we're in beijing um the women were the kenyan women 450 women came they came back they, they were met with a lot of hostility um but anyway they attended and we are really happy that they attended so in beijing um what is signed now is the platform for action for equality so it's called the platform for action pfa um, which is very popular and i think is still reviewed to this day and they identified 12 main areas um and 12 i can call them strategic objectives that they were going to be um following up on and there were areas of concern to ad- towards advancing women gender equality Yes, gender equality. Let me call it gender equality. So the main areas were poverty, education, health, violence against women, armed conflict, economy, uh, power and decision making, institutional mechanisms, human rights, media, environment, and the girl child. Please take note of that word, girl child, because in the next episode, I will address something that happens post-Beijing around the girl child. Anyway, so during the Beijing conference, the governments again unanimously adapted uh, the an assessment that had been carried out by the UN. And now the conversation starts, the concept of mainstreaming gender starts to appear in, in, in documentation in the UN, um, in the in the platform for action, it's there. And so the government say, okay, fine. So we're no longer talking about gender equality as a standalone item. Now we're going to mainstream and all conversation, you know, budgets, um, conversations in government, decision-making are not going to be considered as this is a decision um, gender, you know, gender equality is not going to be a standalone item. It's not going to be mainstreamed in all government bills and any political decisions. So that is it. Now, you know, it's a lot has been said about um, Beijing. A lot has been done. We're still celebrating this year. Again, we're supposed to celebrate 25 years since the Beijing conference. And you know, when I look at it and, and when I reviewed what happened in, in Beijing, I see the major difference, the major difference between the Beijing conference and the previous three conference. One is media. So the impact of media in at the Beijing conference made such a big difference because now a lot more people were aware of um what was happening, what was being discussed to um, the mainstreaming part of it, bringing in mainstreaming into the conversation so that 
gender stops being a standalone item and is integrated into all phases well all government decisions all budgets um in in every way in every document that that is being created for any organization that then that can then it's being considered so i think that 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 had a very big impact um and three of course the number of women who attended so you had a, a bigger delegation you had more governments that that were attending um and there was of course the unanimous decision to continue with um to push forward with the platform for action so those are the key things that made beijing different it's not you know it's not where it was held it's not what was discussed it's that there was that unanimous feeling and there's 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 a speech that was given by hillary clinton that said um women rights are human rights so i mean it's that transition from we're not just here to discuss women rights as a standalone item but it has to be integrated in human rights everything anything that you would consider a human right is a woman's right and we have to um using the same word mainstream it and have it um in, in and have it integrated into all decisions so yeah that's a bit about um beijing and nairobi and next week now we talk about what happens post beijing why are we still talking about gender equality 25 years after 187 governments said look we're going to mainstream gender we're pushing this forward this is going to work um women rights are human rights so what happens why are we still still having this conversation until today why haven't we achieved this nirvana well stay tuned until next week bye bye